This episode discusses instances of police brutality and violence. Please listen with care. Don't break his leg! He can't break his leg, sir! Police officers in South Africa, on average, kill somebody each and every day. Stop it! Leave him alone! You are the police! What the fuck are you doing? The data reveals the extent to which police officers implicated in violent crimes in South Africa escape accountability. A new investigation by Viewfinder has revealed that the transgressions are often enabled by the reluctance of police managers to discipline officers who have been implicated in crimes. Forty-seven thousand cases of death, assault, shootings, rape, torture, and corruption allegedly committed by police in South Africa over the span of eight years. It's one of the greatest public interest issues in the post-apartheid era of the nation, and it was hardly a secret. But the details of these cases and the broader picture they all form remained largely inaccessible until an unprecedented investigation by Viewfinder changed all that. Hi, I'm Robert Cribb, director of the Investigative Journalism Bureau. We're a nonprofit newsroom based out of the Dalana School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. And this is Heliograph, a podcast examining powerful investigative work done by reporters around the globe. In the literal sense, a heliograph is a device used to photograph the sun. We chose the name because this podcast seeks to capture the brilliance, truth, and light of investigative journalism that's changing the world. We'll examine the stories behind the stories, the lessons learned, and the secrets of some of the world's top journalists. In doing so, we hope to build a playbook for investigative journalism excellence. There's much to explore, and it matters more now than ever. Join us. Hi, I'm Wendy Ann Clark. And I'm Masi Khalatbari. This month, we talked to Daniel Kanitza, the founder and editor of Viewfinder, an investigative newsroom based in South Africa that focuses on abuses of power. In 2021, as part of their award-winning investigation, Above the Law, Viewfinder went beyond typical news reporting and launched an online interactive police accountability tracker. The tracker compiles the South African Police Watchdogs database on police killings and torture, along with other complaints of police brutality and corruption. The data that can now be accessed online revealed how police officers Implicated in violent crimes, escape accountability. My name is Daniel Knitzer. I'm the editor and lead investigator of a small investigative newsroom in South Africa called Viewfinder. I am I'm based in Cape Town, South Africa. 
but many of my investigations and projects are national in the South African outlook, so my reporting takes me all over the country. In post-apartheid South Africa, investigative reporting largely focuses on the issue of financial crime and corruption amongst the ruling elite. With Viewfinder, Daniil wanted to do something different. We looked at the issue of the misuse of force by police officers and the failure of the oversight mechanisms in the country to hold accountable police officers and to dissuade them from becoming repeat offenders with often with escalating severity. And it really is premised on the idea that the continuation of entrenched inequality, the failure of our society to redress post-apartheid, is not the inevitable inheritance of our past, but that systemic drivers within our state, within private institutions, um, perpetuate that year on year. The investigation compares the ratio of alleged police brutality cases to how often officers were actually held accountable with disciplinary and criminal convictions. They found that what the legislative body envisioned for accountability differs vastly from what's really happening on the ground. The use of force by the state was one of the defining and most jarring elements of the apartheid regime and era in South Africa, right? Violence as a vector of upholding an unequal status quo has been rooted historically in South Africa. The post-apartheid project was really about upending some of those, or at least addressing some of the egregious use of violence by the state, often to uphold the status quo. I think for me, as a young journalist, a defining moment was the massacre of 34 miners striking at Lonman's mines in the platinum belt. During a strike at Lonman Platinum Mine in Marikana, the South African police, or SAPs, opened fire on a crowd of mine workers. The officers killed 34 protesters and left 78 seriously injured. The incident was dubbed the Marikana Massacre. The revelation that this was an absolutely unprovoked, murderous rampage that the police went on it was, was one of the turning points in terms of my journalistic career and also my political awakening. And it became evident to me that very, very serious abuses of power were happening on a regular basis and that there was really no recourse for the victims if they were from the most marginalized and poorest communities. Not long after the Marikana massacre, there was another strike in the Winelands, a region near Cape Town known for its vineyards. Amidst the strike, police killed a migrant worker, and Daniil was the only reporter on the scene. I met and dealt then directly with the brother of this person who had been killed. He was a migrant from Lesotho, which is a landlocked country, very poor country inside of South Africa. And you know, for year, for months, and then eventually years, we tried to get closure and we tried to get feedback on what was happening in this case. 
And eventually, it, my level of engagement could only go so far because I was just a general news reporter and I wasn't empowered with the kind of tools that I learned later as an investigative reporter. And that, when I decided to return to this issue, I decided to return to that case. And that was the first case study that I started interrogating. That case study was really the, the lodestar, which gave me the, the real applied example against which to test the systemic failures I came back and I just knew that there was something dysfunctional in how the police watchdog, the independent police investigative directorate, was investigating these cases and how the police management was then following through on disciplinary recommendations. The Independent Police Investigative Directorate, or IPID, is a police watchdog in South Africa. The IPID is tasked with investigating crimes committed by police officers and inspecting the structures that are supposed to hold them accountable. And I just typed into Google, IPID, dysfunction, corruption, and a small stub news article from just a few months prior came up where a whistleblower from that institution had given testimony at a commission of inquiry reporting that there were serious irregularities in terms of how cases were managed essentially alleging that cases were being killed off as a means to inflate performance and as a means of clearing massive backlogs of police brutality cases. And that just hit me like a gavel, actually, because it was just a small news article on a public broadcaster. I took that information and then I read as widely in the institution's annual reports and in other open source information that was out there on the management of these cases. So when I then phoned that whistleblower, first of all, he was impressed that I had done the homework. And through my engagements with this informant, this whistleblower, the idea emerged of submitting a massive records request. The police accountability tracker includes more than 47,000 cases and soon will be updated to have close to 65,000. It enables the public to view high-level statistics and even hone in on individual police stations and incidents. And that allowed us to identify hotspots for certain types of torture, for instance, to identify the police stations which had accounted for the highest body count in the country. So our concept was really that complainants should be able to access the individual case and to see where in the pipeline um, that case got to. And so our, our hope was that it would be a resource for victims and complainants of police brutality to verify what happened to their cases. According to the data available, in early 2020, Daniil discovered the police had killed their 10,000th victim. He zeroed in on the case and found it illustrated everything he deemed to be flawed with the system. The story of Adam Isaacs became a lead anecdote for the investigation. On February 6, 2020, the 36-year-old succumbed to kidney failure and severe intestinal damage during surgery at a hospital in Cape Town. Isaacs was reportedly arrested, beaten, and interrogated about a firearm's whereabouts during a nighttime operation. His family, hoping for justice, had kept the bloodstains at their home where the assault began 
for potential use in the investigation. Very quickly, it emerged to me that this case study was illustrative of everything that was wrong with the handling of these cases by the watchdog investigators, but also of consequence management within the police service itself. And as I started piecing together this journey of this night and of this raid and, and tracking down individual witnesses, it became evident to me that what had happened here was nothing short of a prolonged torture which amounted eventually to an execution through blunt force trauma. The crew of police officers that were involved here, and particularly the commander, the sergeant, Sergeant Gabriels was his name, was notorious for his temper and for his use of assault and torture in the ordinary execution of his duties. It was so astonishing to me that somebody, where in what other job can you kill somebody in front of numerous eyewitnesses while you're on the job, in uniform, using a state firearm, in broad daylight, I mean, because the raid went on into the morning. Everybody knew what happened. Everybody saw what happened. And they just dumped the guy at the, at the hospital and he died there. And this, these cops were just, they were just at work the next day. This isn't the kind of murder that happens in the dead of night, in an alley. The fact that you can just report for work the next day as though nothing had happened was really the illustration of the worst outcome of the dysfunction that I had progressively uncovered in my investigation. The story of Adam Isaacs made waves throughout the country. It led to a disciplinary inquiry and a hearing into the conduct of Sergeant Gabriel and the station commander. Gabriel was convicted only of assault. He received a two-month suspension before he returned to work. I mean, that is demoralizing, right? In my opinion, this really looked like the kind of case that should have been open and closed. I've heard that Adam's name was invoked by police officers as cause to demonstrate their impunity. We really need a ground shift in terms of police leadership in this country. And unfortunately, that is one thing that I, for all the good that my investigation did, I, I don't think I have made enough impact on how the police are led and managed in this country. But I guess that, that gives you cause to continue, right? Mm -hmm. And to, to stay on it. Part of our goal in conducting these interviews is to build a playbook on excellence in public interest investigative journalism. We ask reporters to reflect on the larger wisdom and insight that these stories gave them and how it has shaped their work. Often the, the, the conversation is about what tools or what tricks or digital tools you use. For me, I was always driven by the human experience of, of injustice and using that as the baseline to interrogate what systemic drivers might be there. It's not a method or a tool as much as a mindset and a radar with which to read the news in your local community, the conversations that you're having with people, um, the statistics that you might be accessing through annual reports, to always keep in mind institutional, systemic drivers of something that just seems 
like it's unjust. And usually those drivers are underwritten by human failure, by human fallibility. And that is really the, the first clue that you need to start a successful investigation. I'm Massey Khalatbari. And I'm Wendy Ann Clark. Thanks for listening. Heliograph celebrates and amplifies reporting that creates meaningful change. It reflects the Investigative Journalism Bureau's core values of collaborative and innovative storytelling in the public interest. The IJB is an award-winning nonprofit newsroom. Learn more about our projects and how you can support this work at ijb.utoronto.ca. Thank you.